Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Happy birthday to Tom Brady. You are 44 years old today, and you are still the greatest quarterback of all time in the National Football League. This is unbelievable to me. When I think in in the context of the NFL, Derek, and and Tom Brady doing what he's doing at this age, and you know he said he's going to play until he's at least 45 if his body feels right. We'll get into that in just a minute. But to put it in perspective, I mean, I can remember, you know – when I was very, very young, <laughs> there was a guy, and I and I do mean that. Uh, there was a guy by the name of George Blanda. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Oakland Raiders. Yeah, Oakland Raiders. Very good. And and George Blanda uh, played until he was forty eight. Now he at one point he became a kicker primarily for the, for the Raiders, but he would on occasion because he was a quarterback in his uh, earlier days. And he looked like he was seventy four. I was going to say the the kicker it, is yeah. it looked like he smoked yeah. uh, smoked a pack every day. Oh yeah, no those guys those guys looked ancient. I mean he looked like he looked like the ancient mariner or something, you know, coming off uh, a real pirate coming off the ship. Um, but he, you know, he he would he would occasionally if Daryl Lamonica, whoever the quarterback was, would get hurt, they would bring in George Bland ostensibly to hand off and he'd throw some passes. It's kind of cool to see the guy because at that age, you you know, you felt like he was forty, felt like he was sixty-four. So, but he did play until he was forty-eight. He had, I think, he attempted three passes that year. He was one for three for like eleven yards or something like that. Uh, the other guy that uh, and I had to look this up. I didn't even realize that he played this long. Warren Moon um, played eight days after his forty-first birthday in back in two thousand. That was to put in perspective Brady's rookie year. Oh my gosh! Um, in 2000, Warren Moon was was 44. Uh, I think he started maybe one game uh, and didn't play very well. But uh, yeah, eight days for the Kansas City Chiefs. I didn't remember him playing for the Chiefs, but apparently he did at the very end of his career in 2000. So yeah, Tom Brady, 44. And so what do you get? The guy that's got seven Super Bowl rings and all the money in the world. Oh my gosh. I hadn't thought about this. I mean, that, that, that individual has to be the hardest guy to shop for. What right? in the heck for anything? So what exactly. do you get the guy who does have everything before you answer that? You mentioned one for three for 11 yards. Ryan Griffin would kill for those numbers. <laughs> but, but as for the guy who's slightly ahead of him on the depth chart, what do you get for his birthday? Well, what Bruce Arians is going to give him is a day off. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of a nice gesture, I think, uh, for the old guy who, um, you know, went, sort of like uh, managing his time a little bit. But, uh, you know, they, they had a practice that ended up indoors on Monday simply because the weather, uh, you know, the lightning was in the area. It didn't really rain that much till later, but uh, they're likely to be indoors today. I think the forecast is for more rain. Um, but, yeah, he, he'll he'll get to uh, watch Kyle Trask and Ryan Griffin and Blaine Gabbert and those guys kind of do his job, but yeah, it, it, he's defying, you know, in resetting any expectation there are for, for NFL quarterbacks or for that matter, other sports as well. We've seen obviously pitchers, uh, you know, pitch into their forties and things like that. But when you think about football, 
uh, and even what he went through last year playing with a torn MCL, it's just a testament to just how well he takes care of himself. And, um, you know, and Alex Guerrero, who's his personal trainer, that's over there doing uh, all that he can do with the TB12 and, and keeping Brady, keeping him upright. But, hmm. you know, what Arian says, he goes, you know, it, it, it's one thing for him to physically do it. What's amazing is the fire that still burns in him. I mean, he has accomplished more than any player in the NFL history, obviously, and especially as a quarterback, seven Super Bowl wins, 10 Super Bowls all told, which is just about every other year of his, of his career. And there's nobody you would think that would come close to that for years and years. I know Mahomes has been to two the last two years, and he, only, he won one of them. There's a lot of talk about passing the mantle to Patrick Mahomes. Well, he's got a long way to go to catch him because he didn't win last year. Uh, and who knows when he'll get back. But, um, you know, what Rarian says, he goes, you know, it's the fire and, and there's nobody that competes harder than him. Um, so, you know, that that's the testament. And then, you know, you talk to his teammates and they're like, man, that's that's the goat. You know, it's, he's he's the guy. And, you know, going against him one day, these guys will look back. They're young enough to be his kids. Um, that's funny. that's that's undeniable. I mean, Tristan Wirfs. Uh, age, which is, uh, I think now uh, 22, is as old as Tom's career. He was born when Tom started playing in the NFL. Oh, man. Um, so it's just it's just remarkable. And yet when you watch him out there, you, you know, he relates to everybody. You don't think about him that way. He's more driven than most guys. It's just it's really something. So happy birthday to Tom Brady. Um, and they had look, they had a, a a pretty good practice. It was it was pretty spirited. It was equal on both sides. There was a lot of plays being made. Uh, Brady threw a lot of touchdown passes, including uh, to one of his favorite guys, Antonio Brown. I'll just say this, and I'm going to put this out there because I think it's going to happen. Antonio Brown is going to blow everybody's mind this year if he stays healthy, and and he's had a history of of some injuries of late, but. You know, he joined the team eight games into the season with no training camp, uh, really wasn't in football shape, clearly didn't know the offense, had only played just a little bit with Tom Brady in New England, one game, I think. Uh, and yet he still ended up catching, you know, 45 passes for almost 500 yards and, and a bunch of touchdowns. He showed up in really good shape this year. He knows the offense. And when you watch him practice, he only practices one way. I mean, he's the liveliest guy out there. I mean, you know he's in the building. He's getting in cornerback spaces. He got behind the defense two or three times. Brady hit him uh, perfectly for some deep shots. He hit other guys too, Jalen Darden, the rookie, Mike Evans. But um, it was a day of big plays uh, in practice. But Antonio Brown, if you consider him for – if he stays healthy, and that's always the big if, right, at this age. Right. But if he stays healthy and plays 17 games instead of eight uh, and, and has a training camp and, and all of that, uh, it would – you know, what he has done – in his career is, is put up about 1300 yards a year. Um, and so, you know, where, where that yardage comes from, you know, does it, that take away more from Mike Evans or Chris Godwin or, or somebody like that, Scotty Miller, maybe, but, uh, but I think, I think what's likely to happen is they're going to have the ball a lot more even than they did a year ago. Cause I don't think they're going to fall behind as much. Um, and, and maybe they won't need to throw as much either if they have a lead in the fourth quarter, but I, I look for Antonio Brown. Think about a third receiver as good as this one. It's just remarkable. And, you know, you actually kind of got to a point that I was going to. He could blow up and still have you know, middle-of-the-pack numbers when it comes to the entire league because of his mm -hmm. competition. But, yeah, that's exciting. It really is, especially when you just think back to 
some of the doubters when they made the move, and some were definitely justified. But uh, then I see a guy like O.J. Howard pumped about being, you know, yeah. able to be back. You, you almost forget about him, right? But uh, what are their plans for him? Well, I mean, O.J. was was off to his best year. I think that, uh, you know, Tom had a lot to do with that when he came in and, and they were working out at Berkeley Prep. O.J. was one of the first guys that was out there always with Tom who took sort of a personal interest in him. I mean, you can imagine Brady's perspective having played all those years with Rob Gronkowski, who was out there uh, at Berkeley Prep a year ago when there was no training camp, and and here he sees a guy that's six foot six, two hundred fifty two pounds, and runs a four five forty. You know, like uh, this this dude uh, has unbelievable skills. He can catch the football. Um, just just stroll a raw talent, learning how to be a pro, and and Brady was able to impart you know those habits, uh, the precision, and all those things that. Uh, that OJ needed um, and, and confidence as well. There's nothing like having the greatest quarterback of all time tell you that you can be a Hall of Fame player if you want to be, that you have that sort of ability. And so I think OJ uh, rededicated himself, um, you know, certainly had had as much passion as he's played with that I've seen. Um, precision was part of his game, and he was off to a great start until they played the Chargers and they fell way, well behind. And he was one of the reasons they came back. He had one of his best games. Uh, uh, in fact, the play that Tom Brady took the lead finally, and I think they were down twenty-eight to seven or twenty-one to seven, something like that, um, was was actually on a throw that ended up going to Keyshawn Vaughn for a touchdown. But it wasn't his first read. His first read was O.J. Howard, who ran a slant, was open, and then boom, his his Achilles exploded, just ruptured it on the on the route. Nobody hit him. He said it felt like, you know, there was a bat across the back of his leg and um, <laughs> knocked him to the ground, and that was it for the season. And the only saving grace and i've written a story about this i'm sure you can find it on tampabay.com is that one week later his first child was born a little girl and you know um i think he he gained some perspective as we all do as parents that um you're playing for a bigger cause you know and that everything you do now uh is going to be you know sort of uh recorded and impactful uh to more than just yourself so when you have the game taken away and this is this is always um, the case, I think, uh, you know, when players, especially in football, generally by the time they get to the NFL, they've had this experience. They've had an injury that kept them out of a season or, or part of a season. OJ was never hurt. He was never hurt in high school, was never hurt in college. Wasn't until he got to the NFL. He had some, some, some minor things where he missed some games. But this one knocked him out of a season. I think he's got a different perspective, um, you know, about his career. He's in, he's in the uh, fifth year option with his team He's going to make good money for the, you know, $6 million this year, but he'll be a free agent after this season. So he's got so much to play for and, you know, not being with his guys, not being out there, you, you, you realize sort of your mortality in the NFL. So I think OJ is, uh, you know, is probably going to rip it if he, if he's able to stay, stay healthy. Now they're, they're being smart with him. He's having a couple of days of practice, then a day or two off, and they're being really cautious with uh, bringing that Achilles back. But he's completely healed. It's just a matter of building up strength in his calf because when you rupture your Achilles, that, of course, uh, you know, is essentially attached to your calf. And so if you can't uh, – if you can imagine the atrophy that happens when you can't use, um, you know, your Achilles and your ankle that way, um, that's, that's the part that's still coming back. But mentally, he says he's in a good place, and – and we'll see. And none of this was the most exciting stuff that happened no. at training camp. We have buried the lead, as they say in the business. Uh, you probably recall we we kind of previewed this that uh, Ross Cockrell, who is a uh, defensive back, he's now actually cross training between corner and safety, joined the team a year ago. 
um, sort of in midstream and was actually came aboard as a practice squad player. He's a veteran. You know, they, they allowed veterans to be on the practice squad. They got him from Carolina. Um, he's, he's a Duke, former Duke uh, player. And uh, he actually, you know, got on the active roster pretty soon because they had some injuries and started making plays. Um, you know, even though he was new to the defense, he was a valuable uh, fill-in. I can remember games against Atlanta and some of the other ones towards the end of the, end of the season. He was really uh, an important part of their defense. So um, he's on the team. And his sister, Anna Cockrell, who was a sprinter at USC, a five-star recruit, um, she qualified uh, for the Olympics and has been in Tokyo, Japan, uh, in, in isolation, as, as many of those athletes are. Her family is back here in the States. Um he has a terrific family. They're all very successful. His dad's a, a huge executive with Bank of America in Charlotte. Um, you know, he's got another sister, I think, that's going to law school. So it's an incredible family. And, you know, Anna was running essentially, uh, it was the third heat uh, of the semifinals to see who could get into the finals of the 400-meter hurdles. Uh, and they had a watch party because it was right before the start of practice. Uh, and this was quite a scene. Uh, you can go on. TampaBay.com, uh, the Bucks uh, essentially recorded yep. what looked to be like the whole damn team, Derek. Yeah, um, it was that great. was in there. It was uh, just really cool. First of all, I wish I would have been on this uh, closed caption feed. I think it was on the Peacock or one of those, uh, unless I missed it, and it was on one of the main over-the-air channels because I was looking right. for it and I couldn't get it. But I figured I'd get the results quickly enough since it's a four, yeah. it's a lap around the track. Uh, but you can see it in its entirety. And, oh, by the way, not exactly optimal conditions for running track. <laughs> no, pouring down rain. And I didn't – Derek, I didn't realize you probably covered a lot more uh, track events than I did. It's uh -huh. been a while since I, I did high schools. And, of course, you're at USF, and they, they have all of that. But sure. I didn't realize that they don't shut down anything. I mean, hurdles especially. Like, I slip on the driveway getting a newspaper if it's wet. Um, <laughs> I, I can't imagine at full speed trying to qualify for an Olympic final – in, in this kind of weather, how disconcerting that must have been. Well, for me, I think it's an example of like, you know, when people say there are bad conditions in a game, in a soccer game, it was the same for both teams. As long as it's the same for everybody, as long as it's not your time, True. your time in the rain is being compared to someone's time when it wasn't raining. Who it's wasn't, strictly you know. uh, who wins or top two in your heat or whatever it is. So I think that's why it's fair. Plus, the people that do the steeplechase are used to it. Uh, but, I mean, it, it didn't look like it bothered her. It was pretty awesome. It was awesome. She started um, in one of the outside lanes, which, of course, is a staggered start. So you, you kind of get a um, kind of a skewed view of just just how, how it's going um, because she's, you know, she's essentially behind when the thing or at least visually. Um, but, man, she uh, you know, this is really fun to watch the, the reaction of, of, of not just Ross, but his teammates as she starts to close ground. And, um, you know, she she gains what she needs to do uh, on uh, this woman from Ukraine, Victoria, and I'm going to pronounce her name wrong, I'm sure. Looks like Kachuk. Um, the, just the final few Victoria. meters. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Victoria's good. Yep. Because uh, I can't, it's T-K-A-C-H-U-K. So for those Ukrainians out there, you could probably pronounce it much better than I can. <laughs> but she closes just in the last couple of meters. I mean, it, it is um, it is down to the wire, literally. And uh, second place finish, 54.17 seconds, uh, which is just really fast, not to mention uh, going over hurdles. But, yeah, she she just uh, she had that kick at the end, and, you know, 
Ross had talked to her, of course, you know, in, in Tokyo, and, and he says she just has a light to her. Well, let's listen to what Ross Cockrell had to say about watching his sister qualify for the Olympic final in the 400-meter hurdles with his teammates. Well, Ross, congratulations. I don't, I don't know whether – I guess I start with Anna, but then your three interceptions on the day was pretty good too. So how, how good of a day was this for the Cockrell family, and what was it like to have all those teammates cheering? Well, I mean, I, it was just a tremendous feeling. Uh, Coach Arians, uh, the Bucks family, the Bucks team, uh, being able to watch my sister run with this team and with this family, just it just was amazing. It was the it's the biggest race of her life, and to see her go out there and perform as well as she did, and in adverse weather and adverse situations, um, and then go out to practice and be able to do my things, I was just uh, you know feeling the magic that she had. I think she passed it along to me. How nerve wracking was it, man? That was one close finish there. Uh, she she gutted it out at the end, right? She did. She gutted it out at the end. Uh, I mean, my heart was pounding through my chest. I was sweating. Uh, just watching her run. I mean, it, it was hard for me to sleep last night. So I, I hope she got some rest. Uh, my sister's a tremendous personality. She's, uh, you know, she's a bright light. Um, so I just reminded her that, you know, just to enjoy the process that all the work that she's done to uh, get to this point. Uh, yes, it is the Olympics. Yes, it is a, a, a big stage. So she should be feeling nerves. She should be feeling uh, excitement about what's coming up. Uh, but the biggest thing that I just shared with her was to breathe, uh, do it, and let her light shine. That's something that we, we talk about a lot. Um, kind of charging up her stars is a little joke that we have, and uh, I'm glad that she was able to do it. You know, I, I love Anna. I love Anna, Sierra. Uh, this was, I was, you know, I was just feeding off of her magic. She gave me some, she gave me the magic, and I was able to continue on. It's, you know, it's just a great feeling and a great moment for our family. So as if that wasn't a good enough day, right? You start your day watching your sister run in the Olympics and, and qualify for, for the 400-meter uh, hurdle final. Uh, you're, you're, you're getting backpats from all your teammates. It is a unifying event. Everybody's in a great mood. But all the way from Tokyo, Japan, comes the karma, which uh, washes over Ross Cockrell because then he goes out to practice and has not one, not two, but three interceptions in a single practice. And I mean, like maybe half a practice because they went indoors and that's when all the scrimmaging occurred in 11 on 11 and stuff like that. He intercepted Blake Gabbert twice. Uh, I think he got Ryan Griffin once, or maybe it was the other way around, but I think I got it right. Um, was just I mean, playing a position that is new to him. It's safety uh, primarily. He he was on fire. He said that he said she must have transferred the magic to me, but. Um, it was really what a day uh, for the Cockrell family and, and for uh, Ross in particular. And the amazing part about those three interceptions, of course, is how after picking off the passes, he hurdled over five different <laughs> would-be tacklers. That's right. And then they, did the thing when he got to the goal line where he puts his arms back, defender. Yeah, breaking through right. the uh, tape. That was that was he buried the lead. <laughs> that's no, right. No, that's, that was even better. That's yeah. awesome. Hey, I've been. Uh, I don't know. You've been watching a lot of books, and that's great insight, especially a little thing that you know we you, you see somebody get hurt, and you don't. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think they've never been hurt like O.J. Howard, but it seems like he's on, on the right path. But I, I don't know how much Olympics you've been able to watch, a lot of the big events, but it's starting to get to the time where I'm fully invested and watching stuff that I would never watch. Of course, okay. I, can't be, I can't be smart sounding in discussing it I, I do right. i do love people that are you know gymnastics experts now talking about simone biles uh which obviously i'm being sarcastic there well they'll never bring up gymnastics again in their lives so uh, same thing with these but you know like watching badminton and and realizing that what they're doing is so incredibly difficult and, and yet and yet it looks like a, a summer backyard party it, the 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 shuttlecock is probably going a lot faster than it looks on the TV, or they just make it look that easy. But the one thing today, and hopefully it wasn't the only day of it, you got to check out, if you get a chance, artistic swimming, my friend. At some point, synchronized swimming became artistic swimming, because synchronized just implies that you you just got to match up. But these these ladies put it to the next level. They weren't just in sync with each other. They were putting on a show. Now, God knows it's not a sport. Because there's no chance it is. But it was still fun to watch, trust me. They, they must have, I mean, you must have some ability to, to, uh, uh, to, to be in the water at certain positions. So there's some, there's some athletic talent here. It's not all showmanship, right? I mean, yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. Because they, they were actually, you know, when they, whatever they do, levitate, <laughs> gravitate. When they topple like a top in the water, like a weeble yeah. wobble, like like a weeble wobble, you see, and then the weeble wobbles down, and the head of the wobble is in is it's like it's the drowning weeble wobble, <laughs> but they're in sync, and uh, in all seriousness, their 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 heads are underwater for like twenty seconds, and they're looking at each other, like yeah, we got this, the part that you don't see. Now that was impressive to me, uh, so I, I have been definitely fully getting into it, but. You talked about, you know, tough conditions on the track. Did you happen to see what happened yesterday in one of the heats of the 1,500 meters? First of all, the fact that you have to run prelims in the miles stinks. I know, right? I mean, what's left of you at that point? <laughs> um, Sifan Hassan of the Netherlands doing the whole thing. She was doing the 1,500. She was doing the 5,000. She won gold in the 5,000, which is a good enough story. Right. But but 12 hours before that was her prelim in the mile. And I watched this. This is incredible. The last lap with, uh, you know, quarter mile to go, she fell down. Yeah. She's on the track. <laughs> Tough to fall down and come back and win the race. I guess you, one thing we learned about Miss Hassan is she doesn't like falling down. It gets her pissed. <laughs> How is that even possible? I don't know. I don't know because every stride, right, you're going to lose. I mean, you're talking about seconds, right? Millis yes. sometimes less than a second. And she gets back up and runs down this field like they're not like they're taking a Sunday jog. It's <laughs> unbelievable the determination. And yeah, to your point, I think she was pissed. <laughs> I think she was like, I'm not losing, man. This is this is not what I'm going to do here. So that's been fun to watch. I've been keeping an eye on uh, the, the USF uh, aspects of it. Evelyn Vienne, who's their all-time leading scorer in women's soccer, at, plays for Team Canada. Now, she didn't mm. play, but they beat the United States, and that was kind of a yeah tough lack, loss for the U.S. Lackluster effort for the United States, but uh, good for USF. Speaking of them, 
Real quick, just want to mention that uh, camp is starting. I'll be out there for my full-time gig on Bulls Unlimited on the iHeart channel. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K, because on Tuesday, yeah, we'll be tweeting out photos of the behind-the-scenes tour of their new facilities and the refurbished locker rooms and the carpets and everything. And then um, Wednesday is actually their first kind of a little walkthrough. Thursday is when we get out there to actually see them practice, and that's when they're going to start to – really get it rolling for the first time. So that's all happening this week, too. Of course, the Bucks have been at it for a couple of weeks, but college football, baby, I'm ready for it. And it's, it's College football, it's unbelievable. Jeff Scott's team, they had their, I guess they had their golf tournament. Uh, that was on Monday. Yeah. They're, they're out there swinging the clubs a little bit and uh, hopefully raising money or whatever it is they were doing. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's not much time to prepare. I mean, I was uh, just, I just glanced at the schedule. You know it probably like the back of your hand. Mm-hmm. But September 2nd, that is well before the Bucks, uh, uh play their first NFL game. And they're at North. What a start, by the way. <laughs> Talk about ambitious, folks. We <laughs> Jeff Scott takes his team to North Carolina State on the 2nd of September. And then the home opener is only against the University of Florida on September 11th. Then after a game at home against Florida A and M, not to just discount uh, the Rattlers, but and they, I think uh, they I think they were nine to one last year. I think yeah, they, I was going to say pretty they're good actually team. a pretty good football team. Then it's like, yeah, let's take a road trip at BYU, and then <laughs> oh yeah, at SMU. Yeah. Holy moly, BYU. Jeff Scott, we're going to find out what your team is all about really fast. Yeah, that is uh, that's why when we spoke about them last week, I wasn't building up any uh, ambitious uh, record right. predictions just because of the schedule. I mean, it, it is a right. tough one, and you, you know, they've they've got Cincinnati, they got Tulsa. At least they got them at home. Both same thing with Houston, but. Uh, there's really not an easy game on their schedule. That's how good that conference is. I think Temple might be the one team that's a little bit down this year, but goodness gracious, it's going to be tough. Again, we'll uh, we'll fully cover it on Bulls Unlimited, but I wanted to mention that that's happening this week along with a couple other cool things at USF that in the span of a few days, essentially both Jose Fernandez's women's basketball team and the men's soccer team announced that they're playing the best team in the country is uh, – just going to the Bahamas, where they'll likely play against UConn among their three opponents, wasn't enough. They found out that Stanford, which won the national championship last year, yes, they did. pretty decent program, mm-hmm. is actually in a different event in the Bahamas, but had only picked up two games. So they basically Stanford said, we're not going from Stanford to the Bahamas and only playing two so games. Just to play two games. So in between their two regular games in that event, the Bulls are going to play them, so they're going to hang out. This is going to be terrible because I have to stay with the team as the play-by-play announcer. Do you have to stay announcer. in the Bahamas yeah. an extra couple days? Yeah, really? yeah. They play from the oh, 20th to the 22nd. That Stanford game's not until the 26th, so that's oh, going to be – Oh, what are you going to do? I don't know what you're going to do. <sighs> We're staying there, that's for sure. I mean, then figure out the rest. But I, I thought that was pretty good just to be able to add, you know, the national champion, and then men's soccer is playing. They just announced their schedule, to at Clemson. Wow. which was the number one team in the country last year going into the NCAA tournament. They got actually upset by Marshall, which went on to win the whole thing, so maybe not that big of an upset, but good stuff going on over there. And speaking of college, finally something positive. I mean, I'm sure there'll be other positive things, but it's all been sort of slap you in the face with reality of the situation, talking about the financial aspect of the realignment. I actually like this one part of it because the SEC, it's been reported, and it makes complete sense when you have 16 teams, is going to go from an eight-game conference to a nine-game conference schedule. And the way that they're talking about doing it, I really love. People might not realize this. I didn't. That they only play an eight-game schedule right now. 
and you have two seven-team divisions. So you're playing six opponents every year, and one of your other two in the other division is a fixed opponent. So mm. you're only seeing the other five teams basically once every six years. And so you're only going to another stadium once every ten. Sure. Texas A&M yeah. got into the conference in 2012. This is the first year they're going to Georgia, for example. Wow. Um, uh, the Gators are hosting Bama, hosting Bama for the first time since, I think, it's 2011. So what they're going to do. Didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah. So this the math is perfect. They're going to essentially have you play three opponents every year. And it's they don't have to cross over. In other words, Texas is going to play Oklahoma and Texas A&M, but you know Texas A&M doesn't have to play Oklahoma. It's whoever you play three will be that way every year. Florida versus Georgia will definitely be one of theirs, for example. And then that leaves the uh, other teams in the conference. So basically, of the other twelve, you'll alternate six one year, six the next. So guess nice. what? If you stay there at four years, you're going to see every school in the conference. And so I thought that was a pretty cool uh, pretty cool idea. The, the only interesting part of it now is going to be, you know, who gets stuck with who, who gets stuck with Bama. I don't think they can make Bama play Auburn and LSU and, you know, the Gators every year. They're going to probably slip Vandy in as one of their, you know, every year opponents. But I, I just kind of like that concept. thought it was pretty cool. No, it works out. There's a, there's some uh, symmetry there, and uh, wow, I didn't realize Alabama's visiting Florida this year. Wow, it's actually the week after they play USF. So hey, trap game, right? <laughs> if you're looking right. at it, that's what I'm thinking. I, they're going to be looking ahead to the Crimson Tide. Let's not fool ourselves. I mean, this they got USF has Florida right where they want them at home and looking ahead to the to the to the Crimson Tide. So makes all the sense. Um, yeah, that's world. one game I will take the track back up the games. You know, I covered the Gators a million years ago. Hmm. Um, for a couple of years for the Tampa Bay Times where I covered the Bucks, And there were some eventful years up there. They all, both programs got in trouble, but that's another story for another time. But that, that drive up there can, uh, can wear you out. It can, it can blow up a car as it did mine. And, um, oh, wow. Uh, but, but that is, that is one, that is one, uh, road trip I would take and sit on traffic on, on I 75, um, to try to get to, to watch Bama play at Florida. I can't imagine what those tickets are going to be going back to the Bahamas though, real quick, Derek, Sharpie, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're looking for things to do, please. Uh, I have, I've made a couple of, uh, sojourns down there, uh, and, uh, uh, with a, with a friend of mine who used to win trips all the time for the, whatever insurance he sold, whatever. <laughs> um, and, uh, you gotta be careful where you go, but, uh, there is, uh, uh, lots of, uh, I don't know if you're certified, uh, uh, in scuba or if something that would interest you, but they do do, Shark dives, and oh. I have taken a shark dive. I've talked about this on the podcast before, but yes, uh, don't. Let I me mean, stop you there. Uh, no, that's a big hard no. But go you, ahead, tell are, me about the shark dives. No? Well, see, now I would be a hard no after having done it, but I was foolish enough to do it one time, and just to make a long story endless, you, you go down there <laughs> with with a bunch of uh, uh, of other divers, and uh, they they basically. You you sit on your knees, which is a good position to be in with a bunch of sharks going around. So you sit already on your there, knees, yeah. Yeah, pleading for the sharks not to eat you, and you're side by side. Why um, did Shroud tell me to do this? I know. And there's there's a lot of air being sucked in. I can tell you that you're watching you're watching it go out of your tanks. But um, apparently, sharks uh, don't have great eyesight. They use sonar uh, to determine uh, when something is around them, and so if they if they sense that there are is, is a big black uh, mass uh, of people side by side, they think it might be one large whale instead of a bunch of edible humans. Oh. And so 
um they they will kind of they're curious but they won't really mess with it at least that's what they told us even though they had safety divers with pvc pipes that i didn't really think that was going to really do much to the sharks but that aside um well they the guy can't, goes they up can't and see down. it coming so whack. no they're right on top of the heads the guy the guy uh goes up and down the line of divers that are on their knees um feeding the sharks but he's in a shark suit which begs the question why aren't we in shark suits right like we're just in regular suits and so uh, but he's he's feeding, and there's a big debate about whether you should feed these these wild creatures, and the answer is no. Uh, <laughs> and the reason is um, that uh, they would do this several times a week, except on Friday. So we did this dive on a Thursday, and survived it. And heart pounding, it's surreal. You get you get to the point where you feel like you're not in the water with the sharks. You're like apart from them, but no, you were quite right there. Uh, and then you come back and it's, uh, and if you have all your limbs, you're happy. But then the next day we went on a deep water dive in the generally the same area, but it was Friday and there are no shark dives where they feed the sharks on Friday. Problem is the sharks don't know what day it is. Um, they come out at two o'clock every afternoon because that's when the sharks get fed by the shark divers. And so now you just have a bunch of people kind of flailing around, not sitting uh, on their knees side by side. And the sharks are just as hungry, if not more so. So, yeah, be very careful if, uh, if you opt for the shark dive down in the Bahamas. But it is a, it is a beautiful, beautiful place. So your buddy that won all the trips, was he also a hypnotist? Because I'm wondering how he got you to agree to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he got, we, he, got me sort of, he got me to agree to a lot of things. I'm wow. not going to lie. Okay. I, yeah, it was kind of, a, kind of an influence in my life. But uh, uh, that was one that I, I thought better of and, um, mm. uh, and kind, of, kind of look back on it as well. You can always tell that story that you uh, dove with the sharks. And they were big seven- and eight-foot Caribbean reef sharks. These were not, um, you know. And there were about 200 of them just swimming all over the place because they were getting fed. Free meal. Who wouldn't show up for that? Hey, we are, uh, just for transparency, uh, recording this before the Rays and Mariners got it going. But I I guess you got a a communication from a a reader slash listener pointing out something about one of the uh, Rays players whose job is it, uh, including among things, to, to catch a ball. But. Does something different? Does something different before he catches it? Well, according to according to the the listener um, who sent us a mailbag uh, comment, I guess you would say he claims that Francisco Mejia closes his eyes before he catches the baseball from the pitchers, which I have. I'm going to uh, watch closely. Uh, I have not recorded any game, so this is not something I can go back into the archives. But I will try to find any kind of frame I can I can of Francisco Mejia catch. I would find it hard to believe yeah. uh, that that this is the case. Now, um, the tools of inner ignorance, right? I, I think I caught for about a year when I was seven to eight years old. My dad was a catcher and played professional baseball, so he thought it'd be fun to make me one. And, and then I <laughs> rebelled with all my might, and it got out of it because you don't want to be back there. But um, I, I, I do think that, you know, from time to time, there are – foul tips there are things that would cause you to flinch you know uh, simply because the ball is not going in your glove it's going at your face um or or other parts of your body so you will close your eyes then i assure you but um you know this what what always amazes me and i don't think people account for this enough when you watch these major league pitchers and you see guys like shane mcclanahan throws 101 miles an hour right but then he has a wicked slider that just dives and he may he may spike one of those every now and then about 45 and a half feet at you. Um, the amount of movement and uh, it's unhittable, right? Well, sometimes uncatchable. I mean, imagine yeah. you go from that guy to, uh, you know, Yarbrough, who's a different type of pitcher to, uh, you know, 
I mean, every guy comes in and throws 98 plus with wicked movement from, from both sides, you know, left and righty. It's a hard job. It's a really difficult job that they make look easy every single day. And, um, I, I credit them for being able to handle that particular pitching staff because this this staff, as you know, the bullpen is the best in the American League. Um, they managed to to spackle together uh, uh, some kind of starting staff with despite all these injuries and all the guys on the IL. And uh, you know, Mejia and and Zanino have done a remarkable job behind the plate. They offensively, they've given them uh, what about uh, twenty seven home runs and. Uh, almost 65 or so RBIs. I mean, it's just been an incredible year offensively for the catching position. So um, I don't know if he's right. I will look tonight okay. or, or whenever Mejia is back there. But yeah, that one that one seems a little far fetched to me. Is it every pitch? Is it is it one that uh, maybe he gets crossed up on or is tipped or what? Um, yeah, I don't I don't think you can close your eyes. That would be a tough that would be a tough duty. Hey, I guess uh, with Tom the next couple of days, you guys will talk more about the Rays, and I'll sit back and enjoy it. It's been enjoyable so far, but uh, I look up at the clock, and that's going to do it for this show, my friend. Great job, as always. Yeah, yeah, we've got lots coming up this week. Of course, the Bucks will continue a day off for Tom Brady's birthday. In honor of that, he doesn't have to work, but we'll be out there at One Buck Place. Of course, the Rays will continue uh, their series with – the Seattle Mariners and see if they can maintain their lead in the American League East. Just remarkable how they're doing this. I have no idea, but it's happening. And then, yeah, Tom Jones will join us for the next couple of shows. So it's been fun. Thanks for listening. We're here every Monday through Friday. We appreciate uh, you guys uh, listening and the, the emails and the, uh, the text messages and, and uh, from all over the world, really. There's a bunch of uh, people in, in many, many countries. I haven't added them up, but if I did, it would be about 10. Yeah, somebody so. on Twitter, by the way, uh, put put you on their must-follow list as far as NFL goes and added added Sports Day Tampa Bay to it. Yeah. And we picked up like 100 followers. I don't have the gentleman's name, but he's my favorite Russell person. Russell, ba- I think it's uh, – was it Russ? I think it's Russell that did that for us. So, Thank yeah. you. Uh, he's a great guy and we appreciate him doing that so yeah keep it right here and uh, tell your friends uh, wake up the kids call the neighbors Uh, we're here all the time so for Derek Sharp uh, in for the vacationing still vacationing and hopefully having a great time Steve Burstick Umrick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times have a great day everybody Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 